Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Adnip, here with my best friend, Sean Dwyer. How you doing? We have a loaded show today. It's been a couple weeks since we've given you a lovely gracings of our intellectual minds. We took a break last week because I was in Minneapolis for the Final Four for the Michigan State Spartans. I had to take a flyer and uh, drive all the way out there just to make sure if anything went down, I was there to tell you guys about it, but nothing went down. So it was a good, it was a very good time. Minneapolis, great city, but we have a lot more stuff to talk about today. Uh, Sean, we're talking about NBA playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit about the Masters. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, college basketball and uh, we're we're going to see how, how far we can get and maybe talk a little bit about baseball today. So, Sean, I have to talk about this Masters because this is fresh what we just saw. Tiger Woods. Yes. 15 years since the last time he won the Masters. Can you believe he made it all the way back? Did you think it was going to happen, like, at the Masters? No, I didn't think it was going to happen at the Masters. I did think he would find his way back into the winning circle on the tour. Uh, I didn't think that him, his first big win was going to be the Masters. I thought it might have been leading up to the Masters or a little bit after, but I didn't think that with the Masters on the line, Tiger Woods on that back nine was going to play some of the best golf he's played since mid-2000s, late 2000s. Yeah, 2009, maybe. yeah. I think I think he start, start, started like 11 years ago was the last time he won a major. That is incredible. I mean, with everything that's gone on, I can't even believe it uh, to begin with. Wa- I've watched every day of the Masters for the last four days, making me want to golf so bad. But uh, it's been incredible to watch, especially with the field. If you looked at that leaderboard at the end of the Masters, it was, it was like this is – Yes, dude. Like people were popping in, like like getting right ahead, and then as soon as Molinari and Finau hit bogeys on uh, twelve, Tiger had it. And then you heard Dustin Johnson, and um, it wasn't Molinari, but somebody else said uh, that you can just hear the Tiger roars. Like when the crowd roars for Tiger, it's different than when they roar for you. Yeah, you're you're over there. You're over there golfing, and you hear a whole crowd roar for Tiger. That's Oh, man, I'm sure he was on top of the world. I I can't imagine the adrenaline that he had. He had to shoot a five to win the Masters. Yeah, you know, taking it back to that 15th hole, 16th hole swing. Oh, that 16th hole. Oh, my God. If he would have rolled that in, I saw people on Twitter were talking about how the world would have ended right there. Oh, yes. I I, I actually think my head would have went through my television. I jumped out of my seat and ran towards my TV. And I was like, no way. No way. Especially because he was hot after 15. Yeah. You know, he was hot right there. And he knew he just got the lead. And I was like, no way. It was funny. I literally looked at my roommate and I go, it's the eye of the tiger. Look at him. He knows he has it. All he has to do is play golf. All he had to do is play mistake-free golf on those last two holes on 17 and 18. And it was his. And he did that. Well, it wasn't mistake-free. You know, he still he still uh, could have made – I wanted him to make that last putt. The No doubter. It was so close. I think the fist pump would have been out of this world. That's what I mean. Yeah, it was – it would have been nuts. It, it, 
there was a few different uh, times that you could just tell it was in his hands. Everybody started to collapse. And when Kepka missed that putt, I couldn't believe that he missed it so far left. No, it was that was a little bit – he didn't see I'm, that one coming. Kepka has played I'm, great golf. I think he has won two of the last three ma- uh, major tournaments. Yeah, and, and so, like four out of the last seven tournaments in general. So you expect him to, you know, kind of have it together there at the end of a big day at the Masters. And I mean, everybody I'm else you. all kind of fell apart in their own kind of way. You know, Molinari, uh, like you mentioned, Kepka, uh, Shifley was up there for a little bit. You know, Jason Day made a late run, but not enough. So I think at one point there was like six of them tied at, well, yeah, like Dustin Johnson had a t- chance to putt and make it 13. He missed it. Kepka, but yeah, the thing about Kepka is, you know, I think I think Kepka would have been better off if he was in the p- last pairing with Tiger. Yeah, it would have been um, would have been better. Yeah, if he, if Fino wasn't in there, and uh, well, actually Molinari was the one who ended up with the lowest score, I think. But either way. If Fina wasn't in there for the, you know, the run there and they put Kepka in, I think Kepka might have had a bit different, you know, pressure mindset. You know, instead of having to set it, I think he might have been able, like, I have to keep up with Tiger. Uh, and even when it came down to it, Tiger still only had to shoot a five. Yeah. He, he, had, a, uh, he had a great lead to go into that last hole and he. Knew what he needed, and he played for that score and won. That was the first time that he ever came back from not leading, like going into the final day. So basically, the first time ever he ever came back from being down to win a major championship. Like, I was just talking about this. If he can actually play this high level of golf, like he can do this for another 10, 12, 15 years as long as his back goes okay. Would you agree? Like, I, I know think, he would. I think he, I think depending on the situation, it's going to have to be a situational thing. It depends on for some tournaments who's playing, who's not playing, the conditions. I think that eventually, he, I think he's got one or two majors left in him. I don't think people think he's going to pass that record of 18. Uh, I don't think he'll get there. But I think that if he plays like he played today, he can definitely tally up some wins on the tour this season. Majors I mean, are going to be Majors might be rough, but I think he'll get there for a win. I mean, who, who's old, who, who, how old is Phil Mickelson? Uh, I don't know. He, I know he's got to be over 45. Almost positive he's about 45, 46. He's still playing extremely high-level golf, and he has a chance at any major. You would agree? It could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, exactly. So if you say Tiger for another six, seven years, at the very minimum, did have a shot at every single major, I would say he has a chance to break that record. I think it'll be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if he. It just depends on health. It just depends on health. That's That's literally the only thing. Yeah. But hey, even imagine even if he had to just slow it down and not, you know, not put as much into it, but just make sure his game was so on point that he could use shorter clubs or not swing as hard. Anywho, congratulations, Tiger Woods. I was enthralled watching the entire Masters this weekend. Uh, the stars came out to shine and Tiger Woods outshined them all. They were all just watching him in glory. I could tell. So we're going to move on to our next topic. We're going to move into the NBA playoffs. They are just underway. There's already been some upsets, which is pretty exciting. 
you know, not what everybody would expect, but in the NBA, these are really long series. What is it? The first week of June is the finals. Yeah. It's uh, we talked about it last year. If you want to hear our thoughts on the playoffs, go back to the podcast from last year. The NBA just stretches it out way too long. People lose interest, but we'll probably have enough time to hash that back over by the time the playoffs are over. Yeah, so we got a, we got our matchups in the first round. We're going to give you our quick hits. Um, some of them already have a couple games decided or have one game or going to move into the second game. So we'll start out in the West, Sean. Golden State and Los Angeles. Golden State, obviously, won game one. Uh, what do you think it is? How many games? I think the Golden State will win in five. And just to keep this one short, the season really begins now for Golden State. They really just needed to get to the playoffs and run away with it, which they will do in the first round at least. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they're going to run away with this. They're really – I mean, Montrez Harrell played out of his mind last night uh, against them. But, I mean, Steph Curry when had 38-15 and 15 in the first game. Uh, I don't see them slowing down. Kevin Durant and Patrick Beverly got ejected. It's going to be a chippy series, but they don't have the weapons to take care of Golden State. I could, I could even see a sweep. Now we got James Harden and Houston against Utah Jazz. I am going to go ahead with this one first. Uh, I mean, I'm taking Houston. James Harden's going to have to carry them, but I don't see them going much further than, you know, the next round, maybe to the conference finals. But uh, what do you think, Sean? I think this is going to be Houston in six or seven games. You know, Houston, we're going to have to see. They're going to have to prove to me that they've put those playoff struggles behind them, that they've had, they've plagued them in the past. But they were clicking great late in the season, so we'll see. But I want to take Houston in six. I have to put it down. All righty. Three-seed Portland versus Oklahoma City. I mean, Russ Westbrook, Paul George, they, they know what they're doing, man. I'm taking, I'm taking OKC over Portland. I think it's going to be a really, really good series, but I'll probably take them in six. Um, Damian Lillard has played good, but Russell Westbrook has really been out of his mind too. And Paul George is a defense of the year player candidate. Like, yeah, I, I'm taking OKC. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm taking OKC in seven. I think that it is just – Russ and Paul George are going to be too much for Portland through a whole series. So that's why I'm taking Golden State – or not Golden State, OKC in seven. All right, so last matchup in the West, Denver and San Antonio. This already has one game down. Who do you think wins it and how long? Well, San Antonio took game one, which kind of messes with my pick that I had written down when I was prepping for the show. I had Denver in six. I'm going to go San Antonio in seven now just because that's all the excuse I need to root for my favorite team, the Spurs in the NBA. So Spurs in seven. Yeah, I'm actually going to take Denver. I mean, Denver, has, it's going to be a long series. I take it in seven too, but I think Denver has the pieces to be able to just kind of weasel their way past San Antonio. They got a little bit more youth. They got a little bit more spunk and a little bit more outside shooting. Uh, I'm going to take Denver in seven. Now, Eastern Conference. We're going to go with the hometown boys, Detroit Pistons versus the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. And the best record, uh, Antetokounmpo, I mean, they beat the Pistons all four times they played them, averaged 15 points per game, margin, uh, victory. Who you got? I've got Milwaukee in four games because of the Greek freak, and we'll move on to the next one. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take, take Milwaukee in five, and that's if – uh, Blake Griffin 
gets back and is able to actually play healthy. Uh, okay, Boston, Indiana, or Indianapolis, Indiana. Where are you from? That's your hometown team. What you choosing? Well, prepping for the show, I had down Indiana and seven. But I'm starting. I'm watching this game um, right now. I've got it on in the background between the Pacers and Boston, and I'm going to switch my pick to Boston and six. Uh, I thought that the Marcus Smart injury was going to be a bigger issue for Boston. I thought that they were going to have to overcome a lot more um, rotation-wise, but it looks like right now against Indiana, it might be a little bit of recency bias, but it just looks like they are a much better team than Indiana. Well, I mean, I think I mean I think Boston's been a better team than Indiana all year. There's still a lot of you know. There's a possibility. I think it goes six. Maybe. I, I'm 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 gonna say Boston in five. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be hard. I don't think I don't think in, uh, Indiana takes more than two games. So next, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. Brooklyn stole game one. No, I mean not really stole, but uh, Philadelphia. You know all the stories already. Messing around on the bench. Don't nobody cares what it is really. Uh, but who you got? I mean. Youth seems to be kind of hampering the 76ers. Yeah, right now I've got the 76ers still winning the series in six games. I think that that first game is going to be a little bit of a wake-up call for them that it was not pretty. They're going to have to be better if they want to compete at all. So I think it's going to wake them up, and I got Philly in six. You know, Brooklyn has been a Cinderella story all season. There usually is a team that can come in hot. You know, you think about like Indiana last year or Utah um, who are in those lower seeds and they kind of just ride the wave. Uh, I I don't know if I trust D'Angelo Russell very much, but I'm going to take Brooklyn in seven uh, just because Philadelphia just hasn't quite worked out. The experiment just hasn't quite worked out. And I'm not quite sure – I might have chose Philadelphia to be in the Eastern Conference Finals um, at the beginning of the year, but I don't know if I see it at this point. Last matchup of the playoffs or the first round, Toronto and Orlando. Orlando, oh, my gosh. I don't know what happened to Toronto, but Kyle Lowry scored zero points, and Orlando won basically on a three-point shot with 3.5 seconds left. So, Orlando won, Toronto zero. Who you got? I picked this at the beginning of the series. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Toronto won five. Losing that one game to Orlando was bound to happen in this series to kind of get Toronto back on track. Um, I did not think it was going to be game one of the series. I thought it might have been a game three or a game four where Toronto just has to regroup and remember that they're in the playoffs and they have to focus on every game. But now, uh, yeah, I didn't expect them to be game one, but I'm still going to go Toronto in five. I don't think Orlando is a good enough team to even be competing with Toronto on a nightly basis. And it was a, it was their night last night. Well, I mean, it, it, I think it changed it from a five-game series to a six-game series when you take game one on the road. That's the thing. You take one home game away from them. All they have to do is win one, game, one more game in Orlando which really isn't that hard in a seven-game series. 
and then then they're off and they're gone. But I'm going to give the series to Toronto, but I think it's in six, not five. Yeah. All right, so those are our picks for now. We're not going to tell you all the way through. I mean, I guess at the start of the playoffs, who do you like the best? Golden State, and it's going to have to be a lot's going to have to happen to change my mind. Yeah, I mean, no LeBron to go through. I mean, Milwaukee, if, if Milwaukee runs through Detroit like a freight train and through the second round, I could see, you know, Giannis. Giannis. Giannis is right, right? Mm-hmm. I would love to see Giannis just try to yam down all over the Warriors and start like a new thing. What if Giannis is in the you know, finals the next eight years. That would be crazy. <laughs> I mean, he is he is an absolute physical monster, just like LeBron was, but he's just bigger. Yeah, it's just going to – I don't know if I trust the entire Bucks team around him to beat Golden State in the finals, but if I had to pick two teams to the finals right now, it would be the one seeds, Golden State and Milwaukee. All right. We have one more thing to talk about today. And, uh, you know, I told Jeff at the top of the show, I went down to the Final Four last week. I uh, saw Michigan State Spartans. They lost to Texas Tech. And then I saw, you know, the overtime thriller between Texas Tech and Virginia. That was all really, really awesome, actually. I mean, remember, uh, we went down to the Final Four in Indianapolis, where Sean now lives, uh, which it should be there, I think, in two years. Yeah. Uh, so if you're still around there, maybe, that's maybe, the uh, what's that? That's the plan. Yeah. So anyways, uh, we, um, want to talk a little bit about next year for the Michigan state Spartans. Everybody has ranked the Michigan state Spartans at like number one in pre- the way, 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 way too early, like preseason polls. I mean, I agree. I got to tell you when I was in <laughs> This is the fun. When I was in Minneapolis, right after Michigan State lost, I was walking. I was walking through, and this guy looked at me, and he was like, "It's gonna be okay. Think about what we have coming back next year." And I was like, I was about to get really, really mad, and this guy just gave me a hug. He was like, "It's gonna be okay. Think about it." And I was like, "Wait a second. This guy's right." So, nobody has declared so far. I don't expect anybody to declare, but. The starting lineup for next season for the Michigan State Spartans would be senior Cassius Winston, reigning Big Ten Player of the Year, a hopefully healthy and just as stealthily deadly Josh Langford at the two. At the three, a seasoned, now partially seasoned Aaron Henry, who has good big game experience and is actually a threat from all over the floor and likes to run in transition like the Michigan State Spartans do. At the four, you can play uh, Xavier Tillman, who we all know has become awesome on defense, and I can tell he's only going to become better. He drained a few threes uh, and things like that. And at the five, you have Nick Ward, who I know is not going to be declared now. He already saw his interest last year. Now he injured himself. He's going to stay and try and win a championship and then see if he can get, get drafted. Would you agree? I would agree. And then we're not saying that that is going to be Michigan State's lineup all year. I think as we get into Big Ten season, we're going to see more of what happened this year. Tillman and Ward kind of rotating one at a time. I think that 
um, Malik Hall might eventually end up starting at the four. He's a very similar body type to uh, Kenny Goins. I mean, I don't really have, there's not a lot of film that a, a casual fan like I can go and find besides YouTube videos of his offense. Um, but his defense and his rebounding might come under fire. But if he can get those things together, I think he will fill that Kenny Goins role. And like you mentioned, they're one and two in all these polls. And that's for the reasons that you mentioned, you know, Cassius Winston, a first team All-American and Big Ten Player of the Year returns. Langford, who was the leading scorer. Ahrens, who was a big minutes guy. They both assumingly will come back healthy. And Xavier Tillman is kind of finishing up his final development into that pop pick and pop four where he's going to have that three point range. Exactly. Exactly my point. And that's why I don't know. I feel like they might be able to start Ward and Tillman, and it's going to be a great combo. We've seen how they play together, anyways. Anyways, you think? Do you think they belong at the top where they are with with the team that's coming back? I mean, I think they do so belong. many other people. Yeah, so many other people have declared. So many other people are going to be back. And I mean, what do you think? I think they deserve to be up there, but I don't like it just because I like being the hunter and not the hunted personally. But they do deserve to be up that high in these ranks. Well, I think uh, Tom Izzo will never let his team be the hunted. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't think that's a thing. But anyways. I agree. I think they do deserve to be up there when you really look at it. I mean, you still even look at Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham. I mean, we got quality kids, uh, size too, um, all on the bench. And then if you think about who's going to be coming in next year, like you said, uh, with Hall and, and Watts and all these people um, in the next couple of years, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, I think that once they get into a rotation this year, I think Watts is going to find his role as kind of a secondary scorer off the ball with Cassius on the floor. I think that they might even use him as a backup point guard like they did with Matt McQuaid as a shooting guard running that second point as a freshman. I think they're going to need to find him minutes because he is just an absolute scorer. So I think when you have those kinds of guys coming off the bench and Hall and Watts. You can't can't forget about Foster Lawyer either. Exactly. Foster Lawyer is going to come into his own at some point. And then you're going to, the depth on the bench is just going to get better, even though we lose two guys off this roster. But it's going to be, I think Michigan State, if they aren't the favorite to win the national championship to start the season, they will be a top three team in the odds. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, the depth is what, what makes it scary for most other people. We, I think we gain more than what we lose. Exactly. I agree with that. All right, got a couple other questions for you about these early season rankings, Sean. What team do you think in these are way too low? I think Arizona is going to be lower than they should be in a lot of these polls because they're not getting the normal bump that a team that has the number one recruiting class in the country coming in normally gets. I, I really thought Kentucky would be at the top of these way too early polls because, you know, they come, they bring in a top five recruiting class and if Kentucky brings in a top five recruiting class, we already know they basically are guaranteed the number one preseason ranking based off history, correct? Just about. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's happened every time because it's just like there's been a couple times there's been other schools that have had better classes, as exactly. we saw like this year. But but still, I mean, Kentucky is consistently in the top ten, always in the top five, it seems. Yeah, so when – 
Arizona has the number one recruiting class and they don't get that bump, you know, I'm not really sure what is going to be what to make of that Arizona team. We're going to find out. I think that Nico Mannion is going to be a absolute stunner at point guard coming in for them as a freshman. But I think Arizona will be ranked lower than they should be. All right. So what team do you think is in trouble next season or who do you think is losing way too much? Right now I'm going to list North Carolina just because they're not done with their recruiting class. But if it ends where it is right now, where they lose Nasir Little and uh, Kobe White, two guys who were not recruited to be one-and-done players, but as their high school careers finished up, they got into that territory. So this was supposed to be a developmental recruiting class for North Carolina, and it really turned into a lack of depth recruiting class in the next year. They're going to lose some great seniors, you know, Luke May. They're losing, uh, I think Garrison Brooks will be back, but they're going to lose uh, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams. They're losing a lot of uh, role guys there at Carolina. So I think Carolina is due for a short, a not as good season as they have had. But when you're North Carolina and you're coming off of your best run as a school, coming off two national type championship appearances the past five years, national championship, a lot of success in the ACC I think they'll take that one down year at a time to reload. All right, and one more. What team do you think is already ranked too high? That'd be Villanova. I mean, I don't understand why they're ranked top 15 in all of the polls that we've looked at. They're losing Phil Booth, um, Pascal, two guys that are huge to their team this year. And I'm people are kind of – everyone mentions their recruiting class coming in. All oh, the recruiting class is going to be great. But I can't really trust that recruiting class a lot. When I just looked at what happened with Javon Quinterly to where he came in as a five-star, I know he was involved with the FBI stuff in Arizona, but he, a five-star point guard comes into Villanova and he gets a lot of DMPs, coach's decision for the entire season. Um, it's kind of a weird situation. He tweets, he makes that odd Instagram post about this is why they were my second choice. If you haven't read a lot of that stuff, go look it up because that's just a weird situation. But I don't trust Villanova's recruiting class coming off the heels of just watching a five-star come in and transfer out. All right. Well, Sean has one more thing he's very excited for, and that's to watch some minor league baseball. You know how much we have dug into some of the farm systems around the nation, and Sean is – Going to see a couple people in person this season. Who are your two most exciting prospects that you're going to report back to us on? Be Mitch Keller and Kip Brian Hayes. Uh, and Indianapolis, there is the Indianapolis Indians. They are the triple A for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And the, their number one and number two prospects are Mitch Keller and Kip Brian Hayes. Mitch Keller, that number one overall, 19 in the MLB is a pitcher coming off of pitching his most innings as a professional, 142 last season. His ERA over three separate uh, minor league levels, uh, A-plus, double-A, and triple-A, was 348, which was inflated a little bit at the end by his 10 games in triple-A, just finding his bearings. He made it to triple-A at 22 years old. He was in the Futures game in 2018 and earned a 40-man roster spot. He is a big contributor overall to this um, minor league pitching staff for the Indians coming into the season. He gets a lot of ground ball outs. Uh, this, his ratios are very good, fly balls to ground balls. 
His fastball range sits anywhere from 93 to 96, can get a little higher. Um, he throws an excellent sinker ball to help him get all those ground balls. And he has a very plus curveball. Uh, he works – He's right now it's reported that he's working on improving his changeup, which will give him that four-pitch mix that a lot of major league starters like to have. And I think that he is going to at least get some spot starts throughout this season and should be with the club full-time 20 – starting next year, 2020. Second guy, Cabrian Hayes. Last year, he hit 293, seven home runs, had 84 strikeouts and 57 walks. So he had a good ratio there, 31 doubles, seven triples. His on-base percentage was 375, OPS of 819, which is good. He did join Keller in the Futures game in 2018, and he had 12 steals on last season, which is something that is – underrated I think for his game I don't think he had as many as he could have it's been reported he is a contact first hitter but he's improved his power and is driving a lot more balls to the outfield on the line working on his power and the last thing about Cabrian Hayes is if everything goes right for him he has the potential of being a gold glove third baseman I don't know how often he'll be able to compete with for that with Manny Machado Nolan Arenado also playing third base in the National League, but he is a third glove, or I'm sorry, gold glove caliber third baseman in the Pirates system. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of exciting baseball that happened this summer, and whenever you can get up to the ballpark, it's a good time. Yeah, let me know if they have any cool promotions or good food or anything. Oh, you got to come down for some games, a weekend series. It'd be awesome. We'll, we'll make something happen. There's a new uh, team up here in Traverse City called the TC Pittsburgh. It's unaffiliated, but it's a wood bad Northwoods League. Uh, it's got some Big Ten players on it, Michigan State Spartans, a couple guys from Bowling Green, I believe one guy from Grand Valley, um, things like that, somebody from Nebraska. But anyways. See if um, we can make a 4th of July uh, deal happen there. Maybe, maybe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, like, subscribe, retweet, whatever you got to do to make it happen. We appreciate you listening. My name is Jake Adnett. I'm Sean DeWire. Peace out and have a great week.